Um, <laughs> we're rusty. It's been a while, but we're so glad to be back. Oh my God. Um, I finally did what you told me to do, what I've been saying I'm going to do since the beginning of this podcast and made it into the comic book. Story. Yes! But <laughs> you know this already because I frantically I know, it's a mixed you. tale. Okay, I'm at the comic book store. What do I get? What do I get? <laughs> I had to like take a breath and be like, only give her a few things. Don't give her the list of everything you've ever read. <laughs> it's, it's not right. <laughs> it, was, it was great though because... Um, I had my son in there with me, and he is a huge, like, he's so funny. He doesn't really care for Batman, but he's a huge Robin fan. Mm. And he knows every Robin, every character that was ever Robin, every story about them. And so he was, like, over in that section. Yeah. Yeah. And I was doing my thing, and then, like, we were the only people in there, and the guy was just sitting there, like, watching us. And I was like, okay, EJ, it's your moment to shine. (laughs) Tell me what to get. And I had nothing that that was actually there, I guess. I was just totally worthless. They had everything you suggested, but it would start at, like, issue 8, Why? issue 20. And I, like, I start, like, even the one that I ended up getting, which is Paper Girls, which goes so good with what we're talking about today, I had to get the second issue. Also, like, their covers are the best. Their covers are so good. Like these crazy neons and like the retro vibes of the 80s. Oh my god. It is very retro and it's very like I flipped through it a little bit and kind of started it but I was going to wait till tonight before I really read it but I did start it. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Like look how gorgeous that is. Like it's It's just so good. It's It's so good. Super vibrant pages are super thick which i know most people probably don't care about that but i really geek out over paper so i was like oh this is a great thing Uh uh-huh yeah Um, and you're i'm going in with no idea like i I have no idea what this is about and i have to tell you you're going to be so super confused i'm trying to remember exactly where the volume break is between one and two but there is a lot of very quick really important setup (laughs) that is all already happened it opens and like something happens with this guy and I think he gets killed. But then it opens with the girls and they're in like one of them's parents' house and the parents aren't there and they don't know what happened to them. Hmm. And they're talking about like with the monsters on the loose. And one of them's like, there's no such thing as monsters. Oh, oh, oh. And, and there's a lot of really rad like 80s references. Yeah, already. To, uh-huh. Like the movies and stuff. Uh, yeah. And, um, like, that's the first thing that happens in, in the first book, too, is um, it opens with, like, a hardcore 80s reference. Uh, it right. opens with this vision of, um, oh, I'm blanking out on her name, the teacher who was on the Challenger when it blew up. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, don't, I can't think of her name, but I know what you're okay. talking about. Um, so it's her, like, you know, it's her because someone says her name, but she's like, just like a faceless astronaut in the sky with like these radiant neon colors around her. And then it ends up being a dream of one of the girls. <laughs> so she's like, I had this dream about this like challenger thing that had just happened and, um, kind of kicks off from there. But the premise of this whole series and where it gets the name from is these preteen girls. There are what, four of them or five, four Thanks for are the first paper route girls of this like small town Midwestern wherever they are like Illinois or something and so they kind of like have to rally up together like the the first one opens on Halloween so it's like the early early morning of November 1st is like the worst day to do your paper route <laughs> type of a thing and so they have to rally yeah. together to like fend off these like Ne'er do well teens who are going around doing Halloween tricks and stuff like that, you know that type of nonsense. But then it starts to right. it starts to turn like really surreal and bizarre and sci-fi ish, like in a blink. I'm excited. Well, it opens and it shows this. It could be like a mummy or something, or it could be just like a person like dressed up, and they're running by it in the background. There's like a Bush '88 like for president. Mm sign and so you immediately know where you are and then like right out the gate they're talking about um one of them mentions a character do you remember that movie it was called mask and it was about the person that the boy that had the uh birth defect 
His name was like Rocky. Um, Cher was in it. Anyway, it was this movie and it was like really big, I think in the late 80s. I saw part of it because, you know, I've seen all the movies. Um, and so they really set the scene like really fast. And it's funny. It's good that they do that. It's interesting because you would think stylistically you would know. But honestly, the kids in here are dressed exactly how kids dress now. Again, because mm. we're back to that. <laughs> so that's exciting. Um and it's kind of cool to like kick off with this since we're going to be talking about girl gangs, girl gangs. today. I'm really excited about this episode. But Love a girl gang. Before we dig in, like, have have you been reading anything? Yes, I have. I've been reading very slowly, but I've been really enjoying what I've been reading. So. I very recently finished The Girl with All the Gifts, which I know you've told me many times I would love, and I very much did. It was really uh, a different, fun take on the whole zombie thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the little girl is so interesting, and then I didn't at all expect for it to start to travel around to some of the other characters. So I was like so into that girl's perspective at first, because that's where it starts that then when it moved to, uh, I don't remember any of the characters' names, but there's the teacher that they, it follows, and then there's the guard guy, and then the uh, scientist lady. So my experience with that book, it was really weird, because before that was a novel, it, the author wrote it, and it was published somewhere as a short story. And I remember, because it's been years since I read the novel, too, but I remember I read the short story, like, for ever ago and like really liked it because it's, it's interesting wow. i mean child zomb not to spoil anything but like child zombies like that's that stays with you yeah uh and it's especially point of view and especially they don't know what they are and like that was it was a very good tightly paced short story and i remember reading it probably in an anthology or either a magazine it was probably a zombie anthology because there for a while i was hardcore anything zombie like for it um and then years later, I saw the movie, and I was like, oh, this must be based on that short story I read. <laughs> and then I read the novel. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, this is familiar. And then I found out that, yeah, the author, I think, it's been a few years, but I think I remember the author wrote the short story, and then, like, it did well or whatever, and they, like, then they expanded it into a novel. Good for them. Which is probably maybe why they did the different uh, points of view or whatever. That is really interesting. Because in the short story, it was just the one point of view. Yeah, okay, okay. And yeah, um, the mm -hmm. author for anyone who's trying to look this up is M.R. Carey. And it's funny that you're describing it that way because having done a fair amount of like freelance work, like you're not writing fiction, but like slicing and expanding and finding different ways to spin the same bit is like a trademark yeah thing for being a successful freelance writer because the rates that they pay like you can never do like original everything every time and like get by so it's really interesting to hear that and like wow good for him <laughs> yeah well you're an expert at that too you're right you have several bylines oh, yeah for <laughs> yeah i do it more for fun now than uh than business but i have been on the other side of that before and yeah you're you're just always hustling and trying to figure out like what can you piece together in new ways what can you expand what can you like shift yeah right a new way to explore a topic you have already explored yes what else can i do with the research i already have <laughs> What this this information that I know about from this other project? How can I present this from a yeah, new angle? Yeah, yeah. No, I get and that. And then I've been reading so uh, Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu. I finally got into, and I adore Charles Yu. I his first novel, How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe, like blew my mind. And I don't usually like short stories, but his are just spectacular. I would read anything he wrote. He also, by the way, is a staff writer. Or, staff writer that's not the right term but he writes for Westworld um among I think he's been on a few different tv show writer teams but that's um awesome. yeah and then uh this is his most recent one that came out last year just won the national book award uh so oh so yeah he's uh he's doing okay and it's very very well earned I don't know if you've heard of metapunk if I have it's from you okay <laughs> That seems right. That tracks. Uh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so the whole idea is like um, if you've seen Cabin in the Woods by Joss Whedon, 
uh, for example. Mm -hmm. So it's like the story is literally happening, but it's also like self-aware, like it dissects itself as a genre piece and the tropes within it and all of that sort of stuff. So Cabin in the Woods is a good example of this because you have the story that's happening, like the classic horror arc of the teens that are like it's all happening too. But then you also have the uh, like the office dudes that are like controlling everything that's happening. Charles Yu does a lot of metapunk and it's really crazy, trippy, very skilled execution. Like, I don't know that I could ever pull this off, but he does it like he's breathing. Like, it's so natural. Like, this is just how the story comes out. And I don't know how he does it, but it's always a lot of fun. I love that. I I didn't know there was a name for it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I've read a lot of that and seen I don't know how many, I haven't seen it a lot in movies, Cabin in the Woods, but like, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's like different layers of awareness happening and, oh, it's so good when it's, when it's done right. Yeah. You, you would love his work. Um, in Interior Chinatown, it's talking about, um, a kid who's growing up in Chinatown and it kind of picks apart a lot of the different ways that, uh, society and particularly movies have portrayed Asians within media and so it kind of on a surface level talks about these characters as actors playing roles but then also like they're the roles they're playing in real life but then they write about them like their movies it gets a little like blurred between what's literal and what's not in a lot of places but if you can just kind of roll with it it's just so good it's so good. Um, so I'm doing that. And then I'm finally also reading Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Murr, which you talked about like id lists sometimes. And this book mm-hmm. just hits so many sweet spots for me with all of the darkness and the space opera and the weirdness. It's just, oh, yeah. I have that one on hold, actually. So I'll have to, I'll let you know. We'll have to talk about it because I'm really excited. I like, it was one of those that I had heard about. Like I heard the title, but I wasn't sure what it was about, but I kept seeing the title and kept, you know, like you see it enough and you're like, okay, what is this? Everybody's talking about this book. Yeah. So it is on my Libby Hold queue. Um, I am finally reading um, Practical Magic by Alice Hoffman, which has been out forever. I've seen the movie, but the movie and the book really, so the movie is really cute. It's, it's like a magical romance witchy sister it's like very late i was gonna say like isn't that cutesy yeah it's dark though it's not cute i mean it's cutesy but it's got a dark element especially for the time period and it's starring nicole kidman and sandra bullock and uh no like i mean i'm not worried about spoilers because movie's been out it's older than (laughs) just do it so um like they kill a man like one of them ends up dating this abusive guy and they kill him and they try to bring him back and they kill him again, and they plant him. But then he's, like, coming back as a spirit. So it's, it's a little dark edge. But the, the book is more, like, upmarket. So it's like they take this little slice and, like, run with it. Oh. The book is more about the sister, the witch sisters in general. And it's it's good. I love it. I always come back to Alice Hoffman. It's It's got definitely, um, like, a literary bent to it. I would, it would, I would call it, it's definitely more speculative than genre, but it's really good. And I've been listening to the audiobook because um, my radio went out of my car. So <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of audio Love it. Books. I know. It, it, it's good. I like it. And uh, I usually do like one Alice Hoffman a year. So this one, it was definitely time because she, she released the sequel to it, I think in 2020. And I wanted to, like, it was everywhere. So I was like, okay, it's time to come back to these books. And then the other thing I just finished reading is actually um, Be Jealous. You talk about mid, uh, mid-list, endless. Hmm. Uh, so time travel is huge for me. And it, it doesn't really matter what genre. It can be romance. It can be, you know, action space opera, whatever. If it's got time travel, I'm here for it. And it doesn't even have to be like real time travel. It can be like the illusion. Like, do you remember that Brendan Fraser movie? Blast, I think it's Blast from the Past. Where they, oh, he, yeah, like, where he was like... Yeah, <laughs> the, bomb. the bomb shelter. And then he comes out and it was like, it's not modern day now, but it was like the 90s. And uh, yeah, so even that to me counts as time travel. And my friend 
she uh she finished this book and she needed readers and that was a call that was a call give it to me and it's very um it, it's like at its heart it's a romance or a rom-com but it's time travel like real time travel it has to do with like academia and it's really cute and i hope that one day it's out there and everybody can read it oh um, yay other things I've read, another Patricia Briggs book come out, you know, every time, <laughs> like the day it comes out, I drop everything and read the whole book. And so I have a friend. Um, oh, actually, you know her too. Author, Miriam. Um, Greystone? Shoot. Yeah, Greystone. Yeah. I knew it was, I knew it was Greystone, but I was scared that I was remembering wrong and I was going to say the last wrong last time. Uh, she is a huge Patricia Briggs fan oh, too. And like, right. we just kind of recently reconnected and I was like, okay, let's talk about this book because Patricia Briggs is like the queen of a long standing series. Like she can stretch a series out and like loop back on itself and pull something from the it beginning. It is very impressive. Yeah. I mean, I've been reading this since the early 2000s and, mm. <laughs> and I've, she's got two that I'm doing and they're werewolf books and there's like vampires and like they really were released during that urban fantasy heyday of like, you know, 2005 or whatever. Uh, but in this one, I messaged Miriam. I was like, okay, listen, no spoilers. And I won't spoil it here because, uh, you know, it's new. So none of this spoils the plot, but if you don't want to hear anything about it, just pauses. I was like, so Patricia Briggs brought Sasquatch into the story. She's like, yeah, I know. If anybody could do it, she could do it. I was like, yeah, but I didn't really get it. And then she brought Cthulhu into the story, into the same book. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. She was, she was just like, what's this story need? More Cthulhu. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Odd. Really for any reason. Like, I could never do that, but it worked. It works because I didn't think of it as weird until days later with my writer hat on, not my reader hat. I was like, wait a minute. How, <laughs> why, is, why is this character in this book? But it, it works. She did it. It's good, you know? Huh. And then of course, I finally read Catherine House. I don't know if we, like, yes. I can't remember when the last time we recorded, but finally listened to it. I like listened to the audiobook and because audiobooks are my jam recently. And yeah. it, uh, it was great. Like, uh, if so I highly good. recommend this audiobook. If you, if you're, if somebody's wondering for something to listen to, the voice actor just does a terrific job. And then the other thing I read, I can't remember when we recorded, but it was called Social Creature, and it was kind of a, a female take on the talented Mr. Ripley, like. This hmm. Yeah, it was very interesting. She kind of becomes friends with the socialite and takes over her life. And then things happen. And then she has to pretend that they didn't happen, basically. So it was it was good. I was reading it. Who's the author of that one? Um, let me look. I will tell you. I want it. Well, I was hoping it could be um it looks like it is Tara Isabella Burton. Yeah, Tara Isabella okay. Burton. It's got a gorgeous cover, too. It's got, like, a big green butterfly over the girl's face. But I read it really fast. It's, um, it's kind of, it's kind of got a character-driven, um, angle, too. And you know what was wild? Because, you know, like, I live out here, like, country bumpkin that I am. Like, some of the places she would describe in New York, I'd be like, that could not be a real place. And I would Google it, and it would be a real place. And I'd be like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> interesting yeah so it's very good you should check it out and um especially it, it actually got me um i put the talented mr ripley book on hold at my library and then i discovered that it's a whole series and so if i ever catch up and have time to read <laughs> new books i really kind of want to dive into those <laughs> because i love that right. whole like sociopath you know genre who doesn't yeah. who doesn't love a sociopath who doesn't so that's where I'm at. We're caught up. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Ah, good stuff. Good stuff. And yeah, Catherine House is wild. I did that book on audio as well. Mm -hmm. And I would like read it while I was out on a run and stuff. And then I'd like stop and be like, wait, what the hell just happened? And I'd like rewind it and be like, no, I heard everything. Yeah. That was wild. And 
I love how she, um, what's the author's name? Elizabeth Thomas. Yes. I love how she just lets things stand. Mm-hmm. Like the strangest thing will happen. Doesn't explain it. Keeps oh. moving. Yeah. I love that too. Like over it, and it, over again. And it, it works because her writing's so beautiful. And because other yeah. things are moving, it's like a clock. Like other things are moving around it. So this weird thing can happen and you may not, it's not like it's jarring. You're just like waiting. It like kind of gets you like on the edge of your seat, but then that's where you're at with it. But I remember mm-hmm. I texted you when I was reading this book <laughs> and I was like, the snail. Oh my God, the snail. The snail. <laughs> I know. It was haunting. And we, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, so we don't need to relive it for everyone, Mm -hmm. but just, um, the way that she creates these scenarios where something that never could have been predicted or understood, like just a very strange behavior choice. Mm -hmm. And it says a lot about the character, but you don't really know what. (laughs) And then you just kind of like, you're like, file it away and keep reading and see what happens next it's like oh okay and it it contributed a lot to the uneasiness for me uneasy that's a great Mm -hmm. that's a great way to describe this that is definitely the feeling but in a good way but the thing that got me with this book was it was almost like this character study because you had all these characters in the similar situation and some did fine like yaya in the book, she graduated, (laughs) she finished school and apparently went on and lived her life. And there were several, and it was like this weird experience, but they were able to just adapt and go with it and not question or break the rules. And then meanwhile, you have other kids, you know, dying or did they, and then other people kind of succumbing to Catherine house. And like, it's just, it is the most interesting world that I have visited as a reader in a while because it was a quiet weirdness. It wasn't like we're on a planet and everything's purple. And you know, it was, it was like this, you had, it was like a, a tangled up yarn and you had to like untangle it as the story went. Yeah. 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 I'd love to hear more from the author, you know, what she, how she even came up with the idea for this premise of a school like this, where you, it's like, it's like college, but it's not college, but it's an educational experience, but you're locked away from the world and can't get online or take in any media or anything else for that entire period or leave the house. I mean, it's like a cult. Do you know what she did that was so great too? There was like this, apparently Mm. this common experience that happened and it was part of the fictional pop culture of the book that all these kids referenced from their childhood, but that was just proven. It was like this thing, like the scientists went on television oh, with, mm-hmm. and then it was like, you know, but plasma's not real. And right. there was never like a big conversation about it, but just the fact that they mentioned it, you were able to like kind of piece together, okay, something happened here and it's tied to Catherine. So if, yeah. if you like books, and this would be, they don't really use the term new adult anymore, but I love new adult. So if you like that, this would technically be new adult, college age, it's got a gothic-y feel, but it's not really gothic, but it has that feel. It's very, um, a lot of the tension comes from it being claustrophobic because it's within mm-hmm. this old house. Uh, this would definitely be a book for you to check out. Yeah, so good. So would you call, you mentioned Yaya, and then I don't remember. For, for the hundredth time on this episode, I don't remember the, the names of the characters, but, uh, you know, podcast. you get Yaya and you get um, the main character, Inez um, is her name. And then um, there's that third girl who's Inez's roommate, the girl with the snail. Baby. Um, baby. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How did I forget that? Baby. <laughs> um, but like, would you call them a girl gang since that's what we're here for? So, like, how do you get a girl gang? I feel like there is much of a girl gang in the fact. I, so they're kind of a failed girl gang because the girl gang bonds together to overcome something, and they did not over all overcome Catherine. But I do feel like they were in their own way in yeah. this universe. You know, 
I feel like Yaya was kind of in a game with everybody. Like she was that person that was like friends. <laughs> like every she didn't she was like friends that. with everybody. Like she probably had like four girl games that she was a member of. She was that girl. And then Anaya was, yeah, yeah, was hilarious. Yeah, she was my favorite. Yeah, you know, I feel like if they'd like come together as a girl gang sort of spirit and had each other's backs like that first year, yeah. they could have all made it through. Like, they should have been a girl gang. I like you calling them a failed girl gang. But you know what, though, I just realized is that Yaya did help Inez at the end. She did. She and did. I was going to say, like, the thing that makes me kind of think of them as one is that, yeah, like, they had to, like, come together and kind of, like, plot and do the whole overcoming sort of moment You're right. I think, to get Inez out. I think that makes, I think that qualifies them. I do. So, all right, all right. So, okay, Check the box. so let's just jump right in it. You have some girl gangs for us to discuss. Who's up I first? do, and I, I'm very happy that we started with Paper Girls because that's like my number one of all time. I'm so excited. Those girls are so great, and they are so full of attitude. <laughs> like all, all four of them, these like 13 year old girls are also snotty and snarky consistently, even to each other. I love it because they really do. They have each other's backs. They do care about each other deeply. Even, you know, like you're going to miss this part again, but um, the the story opens from the point of view of someone who's new to the neighborhood and has just taken up this paper route. And the other girls who are on the paper route come and like rally with her because the teens are starting to pick on her. And um, so like even from like that first moment of introduction, even they have this other girls back too, and they're just like they're there for each other, and they're tough, and they're just full of attitude. That's awesome. It's so good. And then the the scenarios that they could put in through this comic series is like bananas. It's exactly the reason that you read comic books, which is that nothing ever actually makes sense, but it's a really, really fun, bizarre ride. I have to say too, if you're like me and you're new to comics, like if this is like, cause it can be intimidating to jump into something like, cause it is hard with comics. Like a it's huge, elite. There's so much, you know, and you never know. This is a great one to start with. Cause it is just, it's, gorgeous like I, I know Beautiful. I say that but it's just the artwork it is, is it's stunning stunning and I will also say um so this is created by Brian K Vaughn and Cliff Chang mm -hmm. and Brian K Vaughn is the creator behind many of my favorite comic books so he's also behind Saga with Fiona Staples Okay. Which I know I've talked to you many times about Saga. I tried to get Saga today, but they all, they started at 10. Uh, I cannot believe it. No, you, yeah, all of these things have to be started at the beginning. Like, ah, <laughs> uh, uh. um, And then he's also behind, um, some people may have heard of Why the Last Man, which I think we've actually also talked about, but it's been a very long time. And that one is getting picked up as a TV series. Like they finally actually released a trailer about a month ago. Okay. Um, it's taken many years of like pre whispers about the buzz before this actually happened, but it seems to really be coming to life. So that should be really cool too. And, um, that one is about like a post-apocalyptic world where everything with a Y chromosome has abruptly died. Okay. So only women are left except inexplicably this one dude and his monkey who are both male. Okay. So anybody that is genetically has a Y chromosome is out. Yeah. Except for one guy that has this one a guy. Y chromosome. Okay. Yeah. And so like, that's, that's a recurring question throughout the, the series is like, why you, why are you here? <laughs> and then there's also like a scarcity thing going on of people kind of like battling over the goods. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, and um also there's groups that like are very happy with this all-female world and want to just go ahead and like lock the deal in and so they want to like get rid of them stuff like that 
So it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Because I know like in comic books, it's a little different because you don't have as much real estate. Like you get your story over many books. But I wonder how like they're going to address things in the movie. Like are they going to, because you know, like not everybody with a Y chromosome is male or not everybody with an X chromosome is female. So I'm sure that they'll, they'll address that. I would think. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, cool. And it's not like the first thing that happens, but like as you explore the world, you well, run into all types. It happens yeah. organically. Okay. Well, good. That's, yeah. I just wanted to yeah, make I sure know. we addressed that. Um, it, it is. It's really funny that like my number one girl gang is written by a male duo. <laughs> I like. <laughs> I I do have some feelings about that, but uh-huh. he does these characters very well. So I I think ultimately I'm okay with it. Okay. Well, hey, that works for me. You'll see. You'll I don't see. Even know we'll have to come back to this one too. Number one girl gang would be like, I was thinking about it for this episode and finally decided that it will tell me as we talk about it while we talk about your girl gangs. So, who else do you have for us? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, another one that I have is Birds of Prey. Okay. Oh, yeah, totally. So, like the movie. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Zany, weird, out of control. I Two thumbs up. When, like guys are like, yeah, but that movie sucks. What about the plot? And I'm like, shut up. It was so good. There's so many small things in that movie <laughs> that make me love it. Like there's that one where like one character asks the other one for a ponytail holder, and I'm like, yeah, because that's what you're gonna yeah. do if you get a fight. Your like voluptuous hair isn't like it's gonna turn into a sweaty, stringy mess, and you're gonna pull it up in a bun on top of your head. So there's like lots of little moments like that that I'm like, okay, this one's for the girls. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm not that hard of a critic on things like that if mm-hmm. I am enjoying the ride anyway. Me so, too. like, I've said this about books before. Like, some of them are plots. Some of them are characters. Mm-hmm. Some of them are just moods. Right. To me, Birds of Prey was a mood. It was like a spirit. It, it was. I don't even care. It and was a fun ride. It had the characters I needed. And <laughs> was, I feel like it, it was great. It worked because it knew that. It wasn't trying to, like... Yeah. You know, it wasn't trying to be Avengers or whatever. It was fun. It was, the aesthetic was pretty. The way it was shot was like bright and really, it was a good time. So. Yeah, it really leans into that like comic spirit mm-hmm. of all of that. And just like the the topsy-turviness of Harley Quinn. Totally agree. So good. So that's another one of my favorites. And then I did have one more. Okay. Do you want me to just keep talking? Yeah, go. I only got a couple. Because I can do that. Yeah, I'm enjoying this. All right. So the third one that I really love in terms of like pre-created girl gangs is uh, The Bells by Danielle Clayton. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I think we've talked about this before, but the premise for this series is that there are these like demigod creatures who like are themselves the embodiment of the pinnacle of beauty, right? Like that's what they were born as. That's what they were trained as. And they have the power to then bestow beauty onto others. Like they can, they can morph your body to make it a certain way. Okay. So Like their role in the society is they basically call, I think they call them the greys or the creatures that live in the society. And they consider themselves to be very ugly and displeasing to the eye. And so they are constantly being morphed into new shapes. And so there's the like general sense of like, I want to be thinner or I want to be bustier or I want to be paler or darker or I want my hair to be curly or, you know, like whatever those things are. Right. But then on top of that, like this is a, um, like a court atmosphere, like royals and all of that sort of stuff. And so there's all of these like arbitrary trends going on of like today it's, you know, the trend to have very like pink, you know, blushy cheeks or today it's the thing to like have like curls piled up on your head or whatever the hell it is. And it's, it's fun because it both, like, like it really breaks down what beauty is by like the chasing all of these trends because it's so like flippant and dumb the way that they chase it and the, the things that they will put their bodies through to achieve it. Because it, this stuff is not like something that happens just painlessly and magically. Like there's a cost to it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's one of the reasons I enjoy time travel so much is because you kind of get that element too. Like you see how arbitrary 
things that feel so important in a moment are such yeah. as looks and yeah you know, but anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the first book in the series, it does kind of have a little bit of a goth sort of feel to it in a way, because she becomes like trapped in like only one of the bells gets to be at court chosen by the Royals. They call her appropriately the favorite with a capital F. And so they all have to like, they grow up with their sister bells mm -hmm. and train together their entire lives. And then as soon as they are like outed into society, they are competing against each other to become the favorite. Okay. One of them is chosen as the favorite and gets to live in the castle with the royals and be their like personal beauty person. And so um, this character, Camilla, Cam Camelia, who gets to be that favorite for this year, ends up in this castle and starts to uncover all of this like court intrigue stuff and this like creepy stuff going on behind the scenes and how like twisted the royal family members are, some of them, and all of that sort of good, juicy court crap. And so <laughs> over the course of this first novel, it's a trilogy, um, kind of like peels away the layers and breaks away everything that they ever believed in and all of that sort of stuff. And so by the end, they're all trying to like band together and fight back. Okay. And so that's where you get your girl gang because they've been like the, it, it's such a dichotomy and she does it so well where they were raised together. Like literally they call each other sister, gotcha. but they also don't know if they can trust each other because of the way that they're put against each other with like the houses and everything else going on within the politics of what they are like kind of thrust in the middle of. And so it takes a lot of time and it's very complicated, but kind of slowly they start to come together. And so by book two, you've got a small group of them who are all like fighting together now. And they're, they've got these kind of like semi superpowers, but they're not like, they're not like blowing things up. So they do have a lot of limits on what those are. So they have a lot of struggle still that they have to go through, which creates some really good tensions. And right. they're a very distinct set of characters, which I think is my favorite thing about them. Um, each one of these, there's like 12 of them and they all have very distinct traits and ways of talking and they're all very compelling, very fun characters to watch. So it makes it a really great series. I've heard that from someone else too, that the author does mm. characters extremely well. Like you don't feel yeah. like it's just the same character again, but in a different dress. Like you can definitely tell. So I'm definitely intrigued Every single one of them. Yeah, she put the work in on this one. It is so good. Well, I have a few, I have a list of a few. All of these aren't necessarily my favorites. Um, one of them my is definitely my little sister's thing. I really don't know much about it, so I'm not going to dive into it because it has a hardcore following, and so I don't want to get anything wrong. But did you watch Sailor Moon? Were you a Sailor Moon fan? Oh, <laughs> I, I am... A little bit aware of it because my brother used to be really into that and some of those other Cartoon Networky things. Mm -hmm. My little sister was the hugest Sailor Moon fan. She still is. Like <laughs> she still nice. is. And I just did not want to let this girl gang episode go by without mentioning it. I'm not gonna dive into it real deep because I know I will get it wrong. And I know there's yeah. like a lot of die hard, like it still has like a hard following. But I kind of feel like it is the definition of a girl gang because you have all like these <laughs> yeah. schoolgirls that get these powers and suddenly they're like these heroes and you know they're dealing with friendship and love interest and like saving the world and it just looks really cool. I probably missed something really good by not um, ever jumping in there, but you know you can't watch everything. Yeah. Um, you can't watch everything. And here's a blast from my past. Oh, Lord. My accent was very strong. Um, a blast from my past. And maybe you saw it. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. Because I was really young. I know I'm like a year older than you. So we're about the same age. But I remember being six or seven and watching this show and just being obsessed with it. Jim and the Holograms. It came on after school on Channel <laughs> 40 at my grandma's house. And I remember just like... I would watch it come on and that was probably my favorite part. I remember like dancing around and it was about these friends and I want to 
say they lived in a foster home or an orphanage or something. I don't really remember. The big thing is they discover the supercomputer and she bestows on them the ability to become the rock group, Jim and the Holograms. And so you have Jerrica, who is this, um, I'm not going to say like plain girl, because to seven-year-old uh, me, she was, you know, 1990s gorgeous. And she becomes this pink-haired, feathered bang, star earring, <laughs> rock star. And then um, what was their their rivals were the misfits. I always kind of liked Don't know. Uh, the misfits the best. They were like the bad guys. They were like the anti-gym and the holograms. Um, and it was just really great. Except the other day, well, I see the other day. It's been a couple of months. I was like, oh, I want to watch this, like, from my childhood. And see, it is a complete soap opera. Like, <laughs> it is not like a cartoon, like what you expect a cartoon as an adult when you think of a cartoon. It is a, it is a animated soap opera. Like, That's wild. Love interest, dates, like backstabbing, the whole, the whole thing, <laughs> the whole thing. But I was, I was here for wow. it. Wow. Yeah. Um, I still get Jim and the hologram gifts for my sisters, like on my Aww. birthday and stuff. I missed that one somehow. But, like, other people, like, it was a whole thing because they did, like, a, a movie a few years ago. Yeah, but I don't think it did well. I didn't even watch it because it wasn't the same. <laughs> well. It, well, it wasn't the same plot at all, apparently. Like, it was just, they used oh. the name and it was completely different. But I think it was one of those things that it really wasn't a big deal at the time. But it's nostalgic enough to where, like, now women in their, like, 30s in early 40s are like oh my god that is my childhood and if you watch it wow. stylized the aesthetic it is completely like 1990 i mean it is just like <laughs> the big hair like over the top and my final girl gang which i'm not even sure that this counts but i think it does i'm taking it back to true blood because we always do and i have like suki and pam and arlene and Tara, I mean, they're coming together in Bond Hills, but mostly it's Suki and Pam. But, yeah, you're a fan. You know. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about them. Like, there's so much in True Blood. I cannot sum this up. I cannot sum it up. But no. basically, they live in the backwoods <laughs> town in Louisiana and um, sound a lot like Vampires me. are mainstreaming. Sound yeah, like that's me. it. And there's... There's everything. There's fairies and there's um, That's so great. werewolves. <laughs> like everybody oh either becomes God. a vampire or gets eaten by a vampire or kills a vampire. It's yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all I got. I don't have. I don't uh, know. Were you ever in a girl gang growing up? Did you have like a little middle school posse? Oh, that's a great question. I I don't know if I ever did like in like middle school so much or high school. Like I was never like very seen at school like part of any scene like I had people I hang out with but I don't know um this is sounding increasingly pathetic as I keep saying it I was not a lonely child um but um <laughs> but like I didn't I just didn't like like have like deep relationships with people from school really um but I did have um in our cul-de-sac growing up when we were even younger we had absolutely a girl gang um there was me and then my sister are like three years apart. And there were this whole set of girls that were like right in between our ages, like a year and a half exactly between us. And so there were like five or six of us. And then there were a couple others that were my sister's age. So sometimes they were their own thing. But um, no, like we hung out all the time because that was back in the era where like we were just like in the suburbs and all we did all the time was go out and hang out in the yard and like go knock on doors and see who could come out and play. Whose <laughs> house had popsicles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. And so we would just like pick a backyard or put on our rollerblades or get our bikes oh, or, you know, like whatever it is and I just like, like wander the neighborhood, I guess. Like you got to figure that the mom network had an eye on us at any given time like which we like to but think. they probably it didn't were not feel concerned. like it 
<laughs> Let me tell you, my mother was not for a second of our childhood not concerned. Oh. I can tell you that. <laughs> my poor mom was just tired, I think. <laughs> there was three of us. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I was in, so, okay, between my, I moved the first time between fourth and fifth grade, and the last time my senior year, I moved, I want to say 12 or 13 times. So I was in many girl gangs and there were many times where I was alone because I would move to a new school and I would only be there like a few months. And I was like, what's the point? But yeah, I had several, and it's funny. Like some of the girl gangs I belonged to were, you know, cannibalistic. They weren't, weren't the best, but um, mm-hmm. you know, middle school. Yeah. Um, and yeah, people <laughs> say, oh, middle school girls. It's not just girls. I have a middle school boy. It's just middle school kids are, that's just middle school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, You're just. Yeah, but it's funny because the girls I remember, and you remember how long a year lasts when you're young. Like now, it's like a year is mm-hmm. nothing, but it is forever. It's an era. Yeah, yeah. So I have a school that I went to for tenth grade, and I think part of eleventh grade, and it was the first time that I like, like true girl gang. Like we were at each other's Aww. houses all the time. We were TPN people's houses. Uh, back before we would go to jail. <laughs> Still all that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like all kind of just riding around, listening to music, sneaking out of the uh, locker room. I couldn't think of the name of the locker room to smoke. Like, you know, all that <laughs> stuff I still like I don't really have much in common with these women now as an adult but I still stay in touch with them because there's so much tied to that to that time you know to those friendships so that's probably the closest I got that's great yeah okay my other question for this episode is if you were going to create your own girl gang like you and whatever speculative characters you wanted okay who would you summon to your girl gang? Okay, speculative characters. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I need to think because I know what kind of characters I want. I, You know what? I definitely want Storm from X-Men. Mm, good choice. Yeah, and I would also like Mystique. Basically, can I just be an X-Men? <laughs> but I want Storm to see. <laughs> Um, let me yeah. think. Um, and it doesn't matter which, I don't care at what point, um, probably when they're my age, because I, you know, that would be weird if I'm hanging out with the teenagers. Um, <laughs> Fair. <laughs> let me think. What about you? I'm going to try to add a third one and then there'll be four of us. And that's a good number for okay. a girl gang. Okay. So, um, so one of mine was Camelia from the bells who I mentioned before. Okay. I like her a lot. She is good. Another one that I absolutely would probably summon to any group ever that I needed is Katniss Everdeen. Yes. Okay. She just, she has her shit together. You know, she knows what's what. She knows what needs to happen. She's a survivor. She's cool. Yeah. I also very much, and I haven't finished the series yet, so maybe something happens in the third book that would change my mind. But from what I've read so far from books one and two, Jude from The Cruel Prince. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it gets even better. I mean, she just has mm-hmm. a good brain. Like, she's so strategic. And again, survivor. Like, she's she's just heartless. She does what she has to do. She makes the tough calls. Yeah. I trust that. Yeah. Your girl gang is pretty cutthroat. Like, y'all are some bad Look, ass we're here to win. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have superpowers, but we're here to win. <laughs> Um, also, I would I would summon Inez from Six of Crows. Have you read that? No, not yet. I haven't. Okay. Oh, you I gotta. Know what you're talking about. It's it's Ocean's Eleven, but fantasy. Okay. So she's the one who can like she's like an acrobat thief. Oh, that's awesome. She's great. That's awesome. And then, okay. And then I'm also really tempted. <laughs> My gang's really big, apparently. No, that's okay. The bigger the um, better. <laughs> Um, I was like, for example, I was really tempted to summon Harley Quinn, but she's such a wild card. I don't like that unpredictability, right? Like if we're like throwing cons together and crap, no, like she wouldn't be in your gang. I like her, but she's, she's not allowed in you under the bus, right? She's not allowed in, uh, too, too zany, too zany. Um, but I did think about Miriam Black from the, the Miriam Black series. Okay. Uh, I like her a lot. 
Um, she's a, she is very impulsive in a wild card, but she's like not quite Harley Quinn levels where it's like certifiable. So I like her. No, Harley Quinn was that friend in high school that you would invite to spend the night because you liked her, but not when your other friends were over because <laughs> they were insane, you know? Whatever's happening, she's going to escalate it to a point where everyone's uncomfortable. Yeah, everybody's getting, everybody's getting in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> or like you would go to her and, house, but she couldn't come to your house because you knew like your parents wouldn't. Oh, so it, funny. Like her parents didn't care, but your parents would like kill you. That was that friend. Yes. Yes. Oh, funny. And then I, I was kind of debating from True Blood, Sookie or Pam? Pam. Because they're both excellent but you can't really have both of them i don't think that works too well i feel I like, pam I do. I like pam is dry i feel like pam would okay so i feel like with your girl gang Suki would get along uh, with everybody better but she would probably annoy everybody pam would not care yeah, Suki's a little judgy Suki's very judgy um yeah. and, and pam is dry pam doesn't care and and she's, she's so loyal she is and you don't expect that in the beginning it's yeah uh, it's she's definitely probably my favorite character i would say i actually thought Suki's about out. Pam for mine too but then i was like i don't think that would jive i i think um <laughs> yeah i don't know i would like to have a vampire but i'm i'm gonna have to think on it oh did you ever read Vampire's a good call did you ever, which I wouldn't want this person in my girl gang because they would like kill me. But did you ever read, do you remember the book Queen of the Damned by Anne Rice with Akasha the Vampire? I remember Queen? it existing and I remember the movie happening, but okay. I don't know the story. <laughs> so I don't think the movie is like the book, uh, but I remember, okay, God, I have not read this book since like 2004. So I don't know, but that book, it was one of those that I read and I liked it so much that it, I had fallen out of reading a lot and it got, it got me back into reading. Like it was so good because it was so detailed. Nice. Yeah. And because for a minute I was like, oh, that's what I want. That'll be my vampire. And then immediately I was like, no, because she would kill me because she was like a real <laughs> vampire. Not like a she looks vampire. like a, yeah, not, yeah. not messing around badass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm just going to hang out with my X-Men and there'll just be three of us and they'll talk about me when I leave the room because I have no powers, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm just happy to be in the group like any kid that's moved 13 times. No. I'll drive the getaway car. <laughs> Someone has to. That's important. It's important. So mm. I guess that's all we got for girl gangs. We are gang. I think that's a wrap. Yeah. Maybe we should just tease that there's some exciting things coming up. I don't know if we're quite ready to talk about them yet, but stay tuned. We, Does that sound right? I think so. We have some exciting things in the works for you guys. Um, very fun, very interesting. Can't mention it yet. We don't want to jinx it, but we will have more for you next time. So follow us on social, um, Twitter and Facebook to you know, stay in the loop and know more. And as always, check out our bookshop for anything we talked about on here. <laughs>